back to Hidden Health. I'm Abhi. And I'm Sindhu. And today we're going to be talking about something that's not quite yet fully understood in the scientific community. Dreams. So to start, I just want to give a brief overview of what dreams are and how they're commonly classified. Dreams are known to be a particular state of consciousness that is defined by sensory, emotional, and cognitive occurrences during sleep. Um, nightmares are quite different, actually. They are distressing dreams that cause the person to feel disturbing emotions. Um, there are many causes for nightmares, but some major ones are stress, fear, trauma, illness, and the sort. Finally, lucid dreaming is when the dreamer is aware that they are sleeping and can sometimes even take control of their own environment. All right, before we get into the details, let's start with the basics by breaking down the commonly understood stages of sleep and where dreams fit into that. So we start with stage one, which constitutes the initial transition from being awake to a lighter sleep. This is where eye movement and muscle activity are observed to slow down along with breathing and heartbeat. And our brain patterns that have been very active all day also start to dwindle down. Stage two also involves light sleep, but we start to observe a drop in body temperature in addition to our eye movements coming to a stop. Our brain waves also start to come down to just occasional bursts of electrical activity. And stage three is where we begin to enter deeper sleep. And this is where our breathing and heartbeat slow down to a minimum. So this is the lowest that they get during our sleep cycle and our muscles are fully relaxed. Um, brainwave, brainwave activity continues to slow down um, until we reach the final stage of the cycle, um, commonly known as REM. And contrary to the pattern that has been occurring thus far throughout the cycle, this period is actually where we begin to experience heightened activity. So we have rapid eye movement underneath our eyelids. Our brain activity approaches almost that of wakefulness. Our breathing rate increases and sometimes could even be irregular. And both our blood pressure and heart rate increase closer to wakefulness levels as well. This is where most of our dreams occur. And to prevent us from being physically active and you know, risking our safety during these dreams, our muscles and, um, and our legs and arms can temporarily be somewhat paralyzed. Um, interestingly, the older that we get, the less time we actually spend in this stage during our sleep cycle. Hmm. That's actually kind of interesting because I've noticed that I can't remember my dreams very often. These <laughs> or days. have that many. Could, I could just have a really terrible memory or I'm actually not dreaming as much. So. Anyway, so there's been a lot of ongoing research about which parts of the brain are primarily responsible for the formation of dreams. Um, but most of the light has been shed on a particular area of the brain that governs memory, the hippocampus. A study done in 2015 reported that patients with amnesia had dreams that contained a lot less detail, especially when it came to spatial location as well as sensory details. The authors of the study claimed that this particular observation supported their view that dreams were constructed via networks in the brain that are involved in memory recall and imagining scenarios. The control patients, so those without amnesia, had dreams that were more vivid and enriched with detail. 
which the authors believe is a result of their dreams, again, being routed via the hippocampus. Okay, moving on to a very interesting part of dreaming, or the interpreting of dreaming, um, which I'm sure has all of us curious with regard to why certain memories or people or events show up in our dreams. It, we can sort of track it back down to Freudian theory, where um, he sort of talks about how um, unwanted memories can often be suppressed in the mind. And contrary to what we might believe, um, dreams and sleeping does not help forget that, but instead counteracts and um, kind of fights against the suppression of those memories. So it's actually more accessible while you're sleeping. And there are two types of temporal effects that sort of uh, make up the incorporation of memories. And so you have the day residue effect, which sort of constitutes um, immediate incorporations of events from the day before or from very recent period. Um, and you have the dream lag effect, which has incorporations that have probably been delayed by like a week or so. So one study sort of found that processing your memories and sort of um, getting them to show up in your dreams can often take a cycle of around seven days. But in like within this process, you're kind of helping um, the functioning of your socio-emotional adaptation and memory consolidation. So in a way, it's actually helping, which is really interesting. And so continuing off of that, if we look at specific themes of dreams, there's been studies done where individuals are asked to specifically suppress an unwanted thought right before they go to bed. And the results showed that those individuals actually had increased dreams about that very thought that they uh, tried to suppress, which goes along with the conclusion and the statement that any sort of external stimuli presented during sleep or any sort of um, suppression that occurs before sleep does or can influence the content of the dream. Looking more closely at some of the unwanted thoughts or themes that have been commonly identified. We see um, bullying, being chased or pursued, school teachers studying, death, uh, among many other negative thoughts. Uh, there's also the verge of falling, which I can relate to. I think I've had that experience multiple times. Um, but definitely negative experiences and emotions that are things that might be traumatizing us consciously or unconsciously throughout the day might be a suppressed fear that we have that are now awakened and active during that REM stage. So there are two types of memory that can form and sort of constitute what a dream looks like. And they are autobiographical memories. So like in the name, we're looking at memories that have been pretty long lasting and are about yourself. We also have episodic memories, which again, like the name, look more closely at memories about specific events or episodes that have happened. And so there has been studies done that sort of try to look at, you know, what sort of memories occur across dream content with a relatively small sample size, but it looked around that 80% of these dreams had low to medium level incorporation of autobiographical memories, while only about one dream amongst 32 had one that had an episodic memory. So that's sort of 
So we're looking at how commonly they occur. Um, but also kind of going back to Freudian thinking, he described a set of dreams that are known as biographical dreams. And these actually look at historical experiences of being an infant without any sort of def defensive function and are sort of sought, thought of and sought out as a form of recovery, which is really interesting. It is very, yeah. That's cool, though. Only one dream was uh, had episodic memories incorporated into it. That's interesting. Yeah, means that we think a lot about ourselves. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there have been uh, many theories that try to explain why it is that we dream. And given the current state of the field, there's no way of knowing which one is truly correct. There, chances are multiple are correct. However, the theory that I'm about to share with you is relatively interesting and stuck out to me in particular, mainly because if proven right, it could explain that dreams could actually, actually be protecting us. So published in an article in Time Magazine, this theory was developed by two neuroscientists at Stanford and the University of California in Los Angeles. They call it the defense activation theory. So before I delve into this, to understand this theory better, we need to first understand brain plasticity. Brain plasticity is the ability of the brain to rewire itself and sort of repurpose its neurons to govern a different task. For example, you've probably heard how blind people can sometimes have a better sense of hearing. And that's because the neural circuits in the visual cortex of the brain, which is the area that processes vision, are being repurposed to process auditory signals, which can allow us to seemingly perceive sound better than we ever have. So knowing this, the defense activation theory claims that dreams are the result of this exact principle. Taken from an evolutionary perspective, the sense of time for our ancestors was essentially controlled by the rotation of the earth. Every night, they were subject to a loss of vision, quote unquote, during their sleep. So being blind, pretty much during this period, their brains begin to dream. In other words, it begins to create an artificial imagery within the mind to essentially put those neurons to use and prevent them by being repurposed to other senses. Because of this, it could be true that dreams are sort of a evolutionary advantageous mechanism that we to this day experience to protect our own vision. So it's essentially a defense mechanism, if you think about it. That's actually such a fascinating theory, and it also sort of makes me wonder um, how this theory might play into or um, probably change for those who are visually impaired or those who have had vision loss for a really long time and whether holding, you know, if this is true, um, what that would look like for them. Yeah, for sure. And again, you know, there's been dreams have been like an area of research for who knows how long. So there will always be new theories that come up and go. So I could say it could be you know, a combination of all the theories that are out there about why we dream and how it works with people who have different levels of senses, I guess. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing how these theories sort of evolve and see what new ones come up. Exactly. There's always something good to look forward to. Always. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Hidden Health. We hope that you learned a little something about dreams today. See you next time. And sources for this episode can be found in the episode description.